Emmanuel attracts a lot of type A's. As you get to know some of the people around you, you'll notice there's a high percentage of, of type A personalities. A lot of people who um, call this church home, they really want to make the most out of each day. We want to get to the end of the day and feel like we did what we should have done with the day before us. Well, if you're just joining us today, uh, we're in part four of a four-part series on a book of the Bible that resonates really well with a lot of type A's. And that's the book of James. This is part four of four in James. The book of James opens like this. James 1.1 says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And right from there, without pushing the clutch, he launches right into, here's what this looks like. And, and he provides all this fluff-free content, which type A's just love, right? Let's just talk about what does it mean to actually live this out? Well, if you're a type A and you're reading through James, you may have the experience that I've had over the years when I get to one particular section that doesn't seem to fit with the other, the other parts of James. It seems to be, to be almost using a different kind of feel or, or focus. And here's the passage. Let's take a look at it. And then what we're going to do is, is come back to it after we talk about the context a little bit. So here's the passage that to me has always felt a little out of place for James. Come now. He says, this is in chapter four, starting with verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll live and do this or that. So this passage has perplexed me over the last couple of years because if you're going to be serious about making the most of each day, if you're going to live with the kind of intentionality that James points us to, it just kind of seems counterintuitive to say, well, if the Lord wills it, there's a, there's a question that I want to encourage you to write down in your notes. If you're a note taker, there's a green insert. And I encourage you to write this question down. Why would James give a directive that at least on the surface to me seems so passive? Why not just say, make the most of each day, make your plans, boom, 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 consecrate them to God and go. Well, if we had more time this morning, we'd press into this tension more. But I'm creating some time here in this message for a little skit. We've had the kids in here with us for James. And one of the things we want to do today is make it a little fun for you. So in a, in a couple minutes, we're going to have a skit. So instead of living in the tension as normally we would a little while longer, let's just do something James-esque. And let's just cut right to the point. How about that? Here's the point. What James says is not passive at all in context. What James says, it's not passive at all. Not if, again, we take what he said in context. James is not advocating that we just kind of flitter and float through life. Oh, whatever God wills. It'll just be carried by, by the wind there. If anything, James is calling us to greater, to greater attentiveness to where we're setting our sights in the future and also in the moment. So we're going to see that, hopefully, as, as we unpack this. But for now, I'd encourage you to write this down. This frames out at least what I, my takeaway as I was trying my best to, to study these scriptures here today. My takeaway was this. Today's passage isn't a warning against planning. It's not a warning against planning as much as it's a warning against what? Pride. I really believe today's, today's passage, it is not so much a warning against planning. It is a, it is a warning against 
pride. This morning, we're going to press into a distinction that I've touched on before in sermons past. There's a place to write this in your notes as well. There is a distinction between asking God to bless our plans and aligning our lives with his will. Can I get an amen to that? There's a big difference, and we've touched on that in the past before. Today, we're going to press into that a little bit uh, stronger. And to get us started, we're going to illustrate with a skit. Um, If you're a reader of our ECC mail, you heard that today is the world premiere of a brand new character. You're going to be able to say, I was there the Sunday that butterfly boy was introduced to the world. It's going to happen right here in this room right now with a little skit that we call the adventure singular of butterfly boy because he's only got one. He's only got one. And it begins like this. One day, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man was going down from Queens to Brooklyn. Oh, heart, look, here he comes. Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches seeds just like flies. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. All right, Spider-Man had just cashed his paycheck from his last blockbuster movie. He was so focused on counting his cash that his spidey sense didn't detect the nefarious characters that were slowly sneaking up behind him. What? Spider-Man was defeated in an amazing slow-motion action sequence that hopefully didn't leave our kids scarred for life. The nefarious character stripped Spider-Man of his royalties and his web shooters and left him on the side of the road. And Spider-Man said, I knew I should have taken an Uber. (laughs) Fellow Avenger, Captain America was also going down that same road. When Captain America saw Spider-Man, he looked at his watch and said, Sorry, Spidey, but I'm late for Bros. Night with Bucky. And because it was Bros. Night with Bucky, Captain America passed on by the other side. Sorry, Cap, I'll be here when you get back. It wasn't long before another Avenger, Iron Man, was traveling down that same road. came to the place where Spider-Man lay. He looked at Spider-Man and said, And he too passed on by the other side. Oh, Spidey's only hope, Spidey's only hope lay in an unlikely hero and his even less likely sidekick. And here they are.
Butterfly Boy and his faithful sidekick, Caterpillar Kid. Butterfly Boy had grown up in Spider-Man's shadow. Spidey was from New York. Butterfly Boy was from New Jersey. (laughs) Where's Dan? We need him, right? Spidey had a tech-infused super suit designed by Stark Enterprises. Butterfly Boy bought all his gear with an Amazon gift card that he got from Grandma. (laughs) Spidey had cool web shooters. Spidey used to have cool web shooters before the incident. Butterfly Boy had two syringes filled with milkweed sap tucked into his sweatbands. <laughs> Spidey, uh, let's see, Spidey had a starring role in a mega blockbuster movie. Butterfly Boy had a YouTube channel with three subscribers. But, but... Butterfly Boy was now on his way to an appointment with WMGM-TV Channel 40. The 205-kilowatt powerhouse based in Wildwood, New Jersey, was considering Butterfly Boy for a role as an extra in a Comic-Con documentary. It's my first day break. (laughs) But when Butterfly Boy saw Spider-Man on the side of the road, Butterfly Boy had compassion. Knowing it would cost him his 1.5 seconds of fame, Butterfly Boy went to Spider-Man, poured milkweed sap on his wounds. (laughs) I guess lots of sap. Butterfly Boy revived his faithful sidekick and loaded Spidey on her back and then brought Spidey to the nearest inn. And here come the innkeepers now. When Butterfly Boy saw the innkeepers... He said, <laughs> he said to the innkeepers, Butterfly Boy saw his signal on the horizon. It's my mom. I, I mean, my, my people need me. There's no reason why my mom would call me. I don't live in a basement. It's not a tent. Anyway, my work here is done. And with that, Butterfly Boy and his faithful sidekick flew off and kind of hopped off to a thunderous applause from the congregation.
you can say you were there <laughs> for what it's worth the day that uh, Butterfly Boy was introduced to the world. Well, Jesus once told a story kind of like that <laughs> about a guy who was going down a road and was jumped and people who passed him by. And before he told that story, there was a reason. He told that story because someone came up to test him. Someone who wanted to test Jesus came up and Mr. Tester said to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus flipped the question back on Mr. Tester and said, what do the scriptures say? Well, the story that Jesus told was meant to serve an illustration of this is what faith looks like lived out. This is what it looks like if you want to, to honor God. It may be so bold as to say that Captain America has no business asking God to bless Bro's Night with Bucky if he can't pause to help Spider-Man along the way. Sometimes honoring God requires us to change our plans. And there's a place to write that down in your notes. None of us know enough to plan every step of our daily walk with God in advance. Isn't that true? And there are times where we need to hit pause and there's times where we need to adjust in light of the realities that come in front of us. And there are times where we should be planning also. May I present to you that James is not anti-planning. James took his cues from the Holy Scriptures and from the teachings of Jesus. And there's a whole lot of teaching in both of those sources about sowing seeds in an expectation of a harvest and investing in relationships in expectation of a harvest and seeking wisdom in expectation of a harvest and honoring God in expectation of a harvest. James uses that language himself in chapter 3, verse 18, where he says, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And isn't that what most of us want? in the moments where we're being reflective, is to get to the end of each day and to say, I've got peace. Today may not have planned, gone according to plans, but at least I have peace. I did the best I could, given the circumstances that came my way, to honor God and love people. Well, if that's what we want, then here's a, a reminder that I think we need reminders of each day, and there's a place to write this in your notes as well, most of us need regular reminders that the future is a string of nows. And sometimes those nows involve looking ahead and planning, and sometimes those nows mean adjusting our plans. Today, our family is heading north. In fact, very soon, we're heading north for a planned vacation, heading up to Grandview Resort near Brainerd, and we're really looking forward to it. And I've got a plan in my head of what the ride up is going to look like. Got a plan in my head. But if you've ever taken any kind of road trip, you know that you've got to adjust those plans along the way. And I could have a scheduled stop of where the bathroom breaks will be, but it doesn't always go according to plan, does it? Sometimes you've got to pull over. If we get a flat tire, you've got to adjust your plans. If we see Spider-Man lying inside the road, we will render assistance. The story that Jesus told, it is a great reminder that loving God and loving our neighbor will often require us to adjust our plans. And may I add this, and I, and I think this is where we're going with this, this passage that we're looking at today. There's an either, even greater risk that we have, and that is when it comes to our plans in life, our direction, that we set that course without 
seeking God's lead. Where we just go and we just start driving and we ask God to bless our journey without making sure that we're aligned in the direction that, that we should go. It's, e- it's easy to make the bigger mistake when it comes to planning our future. And that mistake is setting a course without seeking God's direction. And pride is at the root of that. If you drill down, pride is at the root of that end. Pride is at the root of most sin. If our family is serious about getting to Grandview this afternoon, we can't start driving south and expect we're going to get there, right? It just doesn't work that way. Your direction determines your destination. And what James wrote to first century merchants applies to us today. Pride can result in plans that are the spiritual equivalent of assuming that we can reach Grandview by heading towards Mason City. And I noticed something here that I never noticed before as I was studying these verses and reflecting on this week. The Bible is alive, isn't it? It is a living word of God. I've, I've been reading James on and off for 30 years, and I'm still seeing things this week that I'd never seen before. And one of the things I noticed is in the past, James always felt really choppy to me. It always felt like, okay, he has this to say, and then he moves on to this, and then he moves on to this, and he kind of comes back to something he had said earlier, and it just felt really, really choppy. And I noticed for the first time that starting midway in chapter 3 and going all the way to the end of chapter 4, where our, our passage is embedded, there's a theme that runs all the way through that, and it ties it all together. It's a theme of pride and humility. And these things don't just affect our plans. They affect everything, pride and humility. So let's take a look at that. In the short time we have, let's look quickly at some of the context surrounding the passage that we opened with. And let's begin with James chapter 3, verse 13. So I want to encourage you, if you have your Bibles now, let's open up to this. And one of the reasons that I encourage you to bring your Bibles each week, a hard copy version, is there's so many advantages to um, two electronic versions. But one of the things that they don't do well is being able to open up and see how the pieces all fit together. And it's really interesting sometimes in certain teachings to see how they all fit together. And that's one of the things that, that hopefully you can see. Um, I'll do the best I can to, 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 to pull some of that stuff out here today. So let's start here. James three thirteen. Oh, I also want to let you know, too, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one free today. Each and every week we keep a stack of them at the table. They're there for you. Please take one home as a, as a free gift. All right, here we go. James three thirteen. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the what? What does it say? Meekness of wisdom. Isn't that an incredible phrase? We could spend an hour on that phrase. Meekness of wisdom. Because doesn't, isn't there a meekness to wise people? If you are in a room and you want to eventually find out who's the wisest person, you can start by eliminating the loudest. Isn't that true? The wisest people in the room are rarely the loudest people in the room because they've learned over the years that wisdom, one of the fast tracks to wisdom is humility. One of the fast tracks to growth and development is humility. And few things, perhaps nothing, will slow your growth or slow your development like pride. And James is going to soon reveal that pride literally aligns you with Satan and positions you in opposition to God, whereas humility does the opposite. 
All right, let's keep reading. James 3.14. James says this, But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. The reason we highlighted boast here is we're going to see that word come up again. It's almost like a bookend here and right after the passage that we're focusing on today in chapter 4. One of the things, again, we're going to see here in a few minutes is that James links pride to so many things. And, and if we were to just keep reading, we'd see that he links pride and boasting to broken relationships. And he continues that theme, but we're going to jump ahead to 4.1 where we see this developed a little more. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Now, if you're reading this in English, you might be thinking, what is he saying? Passion is wrong. No. People in the Bible were passionate. James was passionate. Paul was passionate. Jesus was passionate. What they're talking about here is translated from the Greek word, hedone. And it may, I would put the English uh, transliteration up on the screen because does that look like a word maybe you've heard of before? Hedonism, hedon. That's where the word comes from. Because this is describing a very specific kind of passion, a selfish kind of passion. A passion that is, that, is, that is focused in on a self-centered desire for power or pleasure or, or control or something like that. It's again, there the English word hedonism is derived from. And here's one of the problems with those kind of hedonies. They can lead us on detours. Following a self-centered passion or desire can start to get you slowly turned around. And off track. And boundaries start getting really gray really quick. And you can get turned around to the point where you're heading south. God is calling you north. And then we have the audacity to pray, God, please bless this relationship. Please bless this endeavor. Please bless my journey. Came across a great quote when I was preparing for the series. It says this, nothing muffles conviction as effectively as what? Can I get an amen? Nothing muffles conviction as effectively as entitlement. Pride blindly proclaims God owes me. Humility accurately recognizes we owe God. Well, in chapters 3 and 4, James, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, brilliantly weaves in another theme that he started earlier. So not only is there this pride-humility theme that's going on in 3 and 4, he picks back up on a theme that he had started in chapter 2. In chapter 2, James describes how Abraham was faithful to God and was called God's friend. God said to Abraham, follow me. Abraham trusted God with his future, which was comprised by a whole lot of hard nows. And God credited faith to Abraham as righteousness. And so now that had already been established. Well, in three and four, as James starts talking about pride, he makes this contrast. And in contrast to faithful Abraham, who was called God's friend as he trusted God with his future, you've got now a contrast with those who pridefully plot their own course. And they are compared to other Old Testament characters who the Old Testament prophets called out. And they called him out as unfaithful. Using even stronger language than that, let's pick up with chapter 4, verse 2. You desire what you don't have, so you murder. 
You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your hadenes. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself, herself, an enemy of God. Now, again, I wish we had more time because this, this is so loaded, so loaded. James is consciously connecting this teaching right now to this audience to the Old Testament. And he's specifically not only doing it to the Old Testament, he's specifically doing it to the Ten Commandments. This is Ten Commandments language. And he's not only doing that, he's basically making this point that everything hinges on getting the first commandment right, which is to put God first. And what does pride do? Who does pride put first? Us. This is inspired literature. Pride affects everything else because it violates the commandment that affects everything else. Picking up with verse 3, God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. Confession time. I read, used to read passages like this. I'm like, okay, look at all these good things. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Check. That's a good little fortune cookie right there. Um, submit yourselves to God. Okay, that's kind of related to that first one. That's good. Oh, here's a new teaching. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I don't think it's a new topic. In fact, one of the things I think we should circle back to sometime is the relationship between spiritual warfare and pride and humility. Embedded in these words, this these words here, is another thing I'd never noticed before. And that's the connection between humility and spiritual warfare. And I want to encourage you to go back and, and read, read um, this section on your own with this and start earlier and start to see how that theme comes together. And it's almost like it comes to a head here. That by being humble, you're resisting the devil. By letting go of your pride, you're submitting to God. Spiritual warfare 101 is to walk in humility because if the devil can sow seeds of pride in our lives, according to James, we're at war with God because he opposes who? The proud. God opposes the proud. Again, we should circle back to this someday. Okay, so pride. If we were to have read the whole thing, you know, word for word and, and dug in, we'd have seen James made a strong case here. It undermines everything. Bible, the Christianity can be summed up, love God, love others. It destroys all that. That's what pride does. And that's the context then that leads us into the passage that we started with. Come now, those who say, today or tomorrow we'll go do such and such a town, spend a year there, trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You're a mist that appears a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. 
I'm seeing that as so much less passage and more a decision that a person made. I want to seek God's will as best as I can discern it. I'm fixing my eyes. If the Lord wills, that's where I'm going. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, for her, it's sin. Now, we, I asked the team to, to bold those, those, um, those uh, words in yellow because what you see right there is James knew his scriptures. And what that is, it's a mashup of the Old Testament and the words of Jesus. It's Psalm 39. It's Matthew 6, 34 because the Old Testament was fulfilled in Christ, right? And, and James knew both of these things. And so this point here that we see, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? That is truth that was spoken through the prophets. That is truth that was spoken through Jesus. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. And one wrong click can change everything. And one visit to the doctor can change everything. And one distracted driver can change everything. And one lapse in judgment can change everything everything. Life is short and none of us can be guaranteed what tomorrow will bring. So don't we want to live each moment well? That we can be as prepared as we can for those moments and we don't miss opportunities. As James does throughout his letter, James doesn't pull any punches as he brings this section to a close here, he doesn't pull any, any, any punches at all. He says this. He says, if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, what does he call that? He calls it sin. Is the right thing to say, God, my future is yours. And to do the best we can to try to seek what that means and align ourselves with it. To not do that is what? To just go through life saying, I'm going to do this such and such a thing in such and such a place without trying to seek God's will. James says that's sin. To set a course, college, career, marriage, without seeking God, or to stay on a course with blinders on and not adjust in the moment, that's pride and that's sin. Well, James opened his letter with these words. He said, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we desire to be a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, here's an important question to ask yourself each day. And this is the last talk point we've got in your notes. Are you walking humbly with your God? As best you can. Are you saying, God, I, I want to trust you with my life. I want to trust what you say. I want to do the best I can to follow and honor you. And not only will that bring you to the destination that you want most, you also have a lot of fun along the way. We, we went to some heavy places here today, so let me, um, let me close with a more lighthearted, true story of a time where I missed something that God was doing. I missed it because I had my blinders on. So many years ago, I was in El Paso, Texas, 
And what I was doing there in El Paso in a Sam's Club is I was getting ready because we had this group of teenagers that was coming down to Juarez, Mexico. So I'm getting all these supplies in El Paso because Juarez is right on the border. Get all these supplies, bring them to the children's home so we're all ready to go for the group so we can receive them and have an awesome week. So I'm in Sam's Club. I'm loading up my cart with all these groceries because back then we used to cook almost all the food ourselves down there. We were so ridiculously stupid in that moment because Soli makes awesome, awesome food down there for us. But anyway, so I got all these groceries, got all this stuff. I'm heading to checkout and I hear something over the loudspeaker that I'd never heard before in a Sam's Club. They said, it's trivia time at Sam's Club. We've got a trivia question and whoever answers this question will win a prize. You just have to come to the bakery counter. And, And so my antenna should have been up because I used to go to Sam's Club a lot. And I'd never heard of trivia time at Sam's Club. Any of you guys ever been to Sam's Club and heard trivia time? All right. How many of you been to Sam's Club? All right. All right. So all of us, we all have the same experience. Never heard of trivia time at Sam's Club. Okay. So I should have my antenna up. Also, the bakery at that time when trivia time was happening was from me to the mailbox. So I'm thinking, I should have my antenna up, right? And not only this, it was music trivia, and I actually knew the question. Like the, the, the answer, I don't know anything about music. So they, they said something, and I can't remember. The answer was either the Beatles or Elvis. But it was, it was obvious they were making a very obvious question because I actually knew the answer. So I'm in Sam's Club, and there's trivia time. I'm right by the baby county. I know the answer. I say it. I say, yeah, it's Elvis or the Beatles or whatever the answer was. And they go, you win. I'm like, great. You win this gigantic birthday cake. I mean, it was graduation size, 40 or 50 people, sheet cake, massive birthday cake. And I'm like, you're trying to unload this birthday cake. I know exactly what you're doing. And, and that's why the question was so easy. Now I don't feel so prideful anymore. Like I know anything. And, and I'm like, I, you know, I'm, we're, we got this group coming. What am I going to do with the birthday cake? So I leave the birthday cake behind and cause I've got a mission. I got to get, I got to do the Lord's will here. And so I'm I'm taking my cart, check out with all the groceries, unpacking them all. And Keith and Rhonda Mermel can fact check me on this story because their daughter, Katie, was one of the teenagers on that trip. Katie comes down and I find out it's Katie's sweet 16 birthday during that trip. And there was a cake sitting in Sam's Club. Because I was too busy doing the Lord's work to listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit and get this cake and a great story to Katie. Life is a lot more fun when we are in tune with the things that God's setting up, isn't it? And life is so much more rewarding when we give our big picture futures to him. So let's pray, let's seal that, and then let's pray for this time that we have ahead. Father, thank you that you give grace to the humble. And even, boy, you are in all things because you humble the proud and then you give grace to the humble. It's all you. It's all you. So Lord, forgive us all for the times when we act out of our own um, pride and we miss the things that you want to do. But thank you, God, for your grace and your love where you continue to invite us into your story and make us players in that. Father, we pray even for today today, whether we're going down to the, to the dog days or we're going on up to vacation, whatever, Father, we pray that you would open our eyes even today. Help us to apply this truth right here, right now, that we don't just blindly go through everything, but we're aware and alert to what it is that you might have for us this day. 
We pray in Jesus' name, amen.